Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blurry Photos is proudly supported by Simplecast. Simplecast makes podcasting easy, affordable, and downright friendly. Use the promo code CHICAGO to get 50% off your first three months. Ladies and gentlemen, I bid you the fondest of welcomes to the second week of the 2018 Ms. Cryptid Contest! We've seen three incredible critters grace us so far. Let's double that number with three more this week. The Miss Cryptid Contest takes the beast and the blightest that cryptozoology, folklore, and mythology has to offer and pits them against each other in a world-class, no-holds-barred beauty asterisk pageant asterisk bugling. And you, the listener, our audience, referee, and ring girl. And boy, do I wish there were more than three rounds so we could see you hold that round number a couple more times. Because, I, because I'm happy that you're here to participate. It, it's good to see you involved. And in a bikini. Or anything. Anything's fine. Any, you're, you're doing great. You're doing great. We're all doing great. Is it hot in here? This week... Our contestants are proudly representing the woodlands of the Ozarks, the country of Wales, and the region of Oceania. 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 In the Pacific. For we have the Ozark Howler, the Avank, and the Coranda Jellyfish. We'll also learn who emerged victorious from week one. So lace up your double rubber fang-proof boots and grab your plexiglass splatter shield as we begin week two of the 2018 Miss Cryptid Contest. Hello everyone, welcome to Blurry Photos, and welcome to the second week 
of the 6th Annual Miss Cryptid Contest. I'm your host, David Flora. Got another round of crazy creatures ready to do battle for your enjoyment. And once the episode is over, make sure to head over to blurryphotos.org to cast your vote for who should win this week. You can also enter your name and email for a chance to win a prize pack full of all kinds of cool loot, including, for the first time, an unopened cryptid crate from my good friend Derek over at Monsters Among Us podcast and cryptidcrate.com. He sent me one before, and I have a video of me unboxing it on the Blurry Photos Facebook page if you want a reference of what kinds of cool stuff you could get in it. Its contents will be a mystery, though, even to me. So don't count on getting the best Flatwoods Monster shirt ever, like I did. Sorry. But whatever you get will be awesome, as will the rest of the swag. So just remember, one entry per week, including the finals, for a total of four possible entries to win. Just make sure to get your votes in before each week's voting ends. No backvoting in this contest. That's the business in the front. Now for the party in the back. I've got three delightfully deadly contestants to bring you this week from mythology, folklore, including net lore, and actual cryptozoology. From the Ozark Mountains in the U.S., the Ozark Howler. From the Lakes of Wales, the Avanc. And from the South Pacific, the Coranda Jellyfish. Fetching and fearsome, just how we like them. So let us convince this carnivorous cumbia with the Ozark Howler. The Ozarks is a 50-square-mile region of mountainous woodlands that spans significant areas of four states in the south-central U.S. This picturesque region is a dream come true for those who love the outdoors, camping, hiking, and getting out in nature. But according to a few stories, that dream quickly turned into a nightmare for some. A creature has been reported prowling a region mostly in Arkansas, but also parts of Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. The Ozark Howler, or Black Howler, comes with numerous descriptions, some saying it's a large, nondescript beast about the size of a bear, others saying it's a huge cat about the size of a bear. Most agree it has dark, shaggy hair, about the same kind as a bear. I know what you're probably thinking it is. A werewolf. Well, you'd be wrong, and I'll tell you why. It's also described as having thick, powerful shoulders, but a stocky body. Sometimes it has a goat-like beard, and almost always has glowing red eyes and horns coming out of its head. It may or may not have a tail. Just like me? While accounts tend to vary on the sound, all generally agree that its most terrifying trait and its namesake is its bone-chilling howl. (laughs) 
descriptions include mixtures of elk, wolf, and hyena cries. Neither hunters, campers, nor general weekenders say they've ever heard a sound like that before. But more than a few say it was definitely from something they did not want coming near them, and many have stories of an eerie feeling like they were being watched while in the woods. Reports began to pick up in the late 90s, with researchers being contacted and postings on message boards. In April of 1998, the Bigfoot researcher Ron Schaffner received a report from a man calling himself Fred Sprout, saying, quote, I was told by some of the folks at the Howler Research Group you might be a good person to report a sighting of the Ozark Howler to. I'm near Branson, Missouri, and I think I saw it last weekend when I was out hunting with my buddy. It was late in the evening, but it was still light, and we were coming down a hill to a stream bed, and there it was, big shaggy thing. I think it was taking a drink standing in the water. Really smelled kind of like, I don't know, burnt onions. Well, me and my buddy just froze, and it went up the other side. I don't think it knew we were there. But I can tell you we took the long way back to the car. A website had this encounter, posted by a George O. Choangle. I became interested in what people around here, I live near Hot Springs, Arkansas, call the Howler. Ozark Howler, Black Howler, whatever, after I had my own experience with it. Last year, 1997, around New Year's, I was driving home after a party and I was going around this curve, which is really tight, especially at night after a party, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I saw this big thing run across the road right in front of me, caught in the headlights. I, don't, I didn't see a whole lot, but the one thing I did notice was it had this big, long, thick tail. At first I thought it was a bear, and then I thought, Do bears have big tails? I couldn't remember for a while, but then I remembered they don't. So I was pretty confused, a little scared, probably a little drunk. So I just uh, started my car right back up and went home. Speculation has been thrown around as to what it might be. Some say it's a misidentified big cat Maybe a cougar or mountain lion. Arkansas Fish and Game don't think there's a big enough breeding population of cougars in the area, though, and that maybe some sightings were of pets that had gotten or been let loose. A little further away from believable is the theory that there's some kind of saber-toothed cat descendant. And further, some think they may be a black dog, a type of phantom hellhound or the like from folklore of the United Kingdom or at least an American approximation of it in this case. It's a compelling local beast worthy of caution and a wary eye for would-be nature lovers in the Ozarks. Or it would be, if it were true. I would be remiss if I didn't point out the research that has gone into it by renowned cryptozoologist and unfortunate bystander for one of my old co-hosts' many, many jokes about masturbation, Lauren Coleman. When reports of the Howler began to pick up steam in 1998, Coleman and other researchers were dubious at best. Here's a powerful, fearsome beastie theretofore unheard of in cryptid camps. Why would stories suddenly be picking up about this? Coleman decided to look a little deeper into the reports and found some interesting stuff. There were sites claiming the sightings had happened going back as far as the 1800s, but they provided no source or actual report that claimed that. 
There was a Howler Research Group website, which had descriptions of the creature and purported to have a team working on finding it. Investigators such as Itzak Joke, distinguished professor of biology at Buffalo River University in eastern Oklahoma. Others in the group, P.T. Fool, D. Goner, and R. Nixon. R. The charade seemed to cave in on itself when a Jonathan C. Cook actually emailed Coleman requesting he put an entry on the Howler in his and Jerome Clark's book, Cryptozoology A to Z. Turns out the name Jonathan C. Cook was the name of a doctor in Memphis, and Coleman confirmed it wasn't the same person. When Coleman called him out, the fake Cook admitted to making the whole thing up. All of it. Said he got to talking about cryptids with some skeptics, and made a bet he could fabricate one that would be believed by cryptozoologists and thus undermine the field entirely. He spent a good deal of time creating fake accounts, posting to make it look like old accounts and stories, and spreading the seeds of this false creature, which obviously did take root and take on a life of their own. Coleman included the whole story in a draft of his book, but unfortunately the publisher cut it because it was a hoax, which they weren't keen on including. Had it not been for that, the Howler may not have gotten as known as it has. Author Chad Arment did include the hoax in his 2004 book, Cryptozoology, Science and Speculation, so at least there's that. It's interesting how it grew from hoax to legend, but that's the internet for you. We saw it with Slenderman, we saw it with John Teeter, we saw it with Polybius. There's something about those early days chat rooms that made them the perfect incubators for bizarre urban legends. Some folks refuse to believe it's a hoax and swear they've encountered this beast in the mountains. They'll also point to the stories that date back to the 1800s, though there are no such stories to point to. I'm happy to believe people have encountered things out there, but I don't think I'm buying that it's this creature. I think many could be cougar sightings or any number of one-off beasties over the years. And I'm willing to bet that crypto kid Colin Schneider could tell us several like that from the area as well. But I think I'll side with Mr. Coleman on this one, and believe that it was a well-executed, if misguided, hoax. Though it is fun to imagine a bear-like, cat-like creature with glowing red eyes and horns watching you from the darkened forest. And that's the Ozark Howler. And now we're off to the beautiful Welsh countryside in a quest to find the legendary Avanc. <laughs> Wales has a long and proud history of folklore and mythology, beginning with an oral tradition that unfortunately began to fade or was changed by outside contact and invasion. Though they're mostly modified from the original versions, we still have manuscripts dating from the 14th century, and most knowledge of the mythology comes from them. That includes our current contestant, who appeared in tales as far back as the Mabinagian, a compilation of prose stories from the 12th and 13th century, some of the earliest British literature we have. The Avanc, also called the Athanc in some stories, was a monstrous creature, both in size and appearance, that dwelled in a lake. While sometimes referred to as a demon, and maybe a dwarf in one account, 
It's generally described as a strange hybrid of a beaver and a crocodile. Of course, it was dangerous to anyone who got near its home and would kill and eat those who swam or happened to fall in its lake. It was also large enough to cause flooding when it thrashed about in anger. In the Mabinagian, the hero, Haradir Evrauk, who is analogous to the Arthurian character of Percival, learned of a magical stone guarded by a serpent. To get it, he had to travel by the palace of the sons of the King of the Tortures, near which sat a lake, home to the Athank, who slayed the sons every day. When Paradir arrived at the palace, he found it full of women who happily welcomed him. But as he was talking to them, a horse rode up, bearing a dead knight. He saw one woman take the body off the saddle and anoint it with water and balsam. Suddenly the knight came back to life and greeted Paradir. This happened twice more, and they told him it was the Athank who slew them every day, and they were resurrected at night. He asked to go with them the next day to face the Athank, but they refused, saying, If thou shouldst be slain there, thou hast none to bring thee back to life again. And they rode off. But Paradir followed anyway, until they disappeared too fast for him to catch. He stopped by a mound whereupon sat a beautiful maiden. She told him she knew what he was doing, and that the Athank would kill him because of its cunning. It was apparently invisible or able to hide very well in its cave, and killed those entering with a poisonous dart. But plot twist, she would give him a magical stone that would make him invisible and let him see the Athank. He only had to pledge his love to her above all women. He readily agreed, and she gave him the stone and told him to look for her towards India after he was done, and then vanished. She ended up being the Queen of Constantinople, I believe, in case you need that for Jeopardy later. He found the cave of the Athank, and literally all the story said was, quote, He took the stone in his left hand and his lance in his right, and as he went in he perceived the Athank, and he pierced him through with his lance and cut off his head. End quote. Enthralling. The guys that kept getting killed met up with him and were like, Oh yes, we knew you'd kill it. There was a prediction about it. To which I hope Paradir just turned and looked at the camera like on an episode of The Office. Another famous version of the Athang legend comes from the Welsh poet, antiquarian, and all-around cool dude Edward Williams, though you might know him by his bardic name, Yolo Morganug. Well, you should. He was the epitome of making the most out of life. He was very driven to preserve Welsh literature, and this drive led him to forge a bunch of manuscripts, which he said were part of ancient Druidic tradition. Though many of his collected works were forgeries, it was popular, and some even eclipsed the actual original tales. Yolo actually relayed two tales of the Avanc. In one, it got so wild with its churning and splashing the waters of its home that it flooded the whole of Britain, save for two people analogous to the Utnapishtim, Deucalion, and Noah flood myth stories. The other Avanc tale goes a little like this. There once lived a giant monster in Hlinaravanc, a lake in the river Conwy. Sometimes, in his ire, 
he'd break the banks of the lake, which caused flooding in the Conwy Valley. As you can imagine, people grew tired of its antics, since every time Avanc caused a flood, crops would be wrecked, homes ruined, and livestock drowned. Locals tried to kill the beast, but no spear, nor arrow, nor sword, nor lance could pierce the creature's tough hide. It was decided to try and trick the monster into a different lake far away from Conwy, where his tantrums would do no harm. The ideal location, they decided, was Llinfunnenlas, a lake near Mount Snowden, several miles away. Plans were made and set in motion. The finest blacksmith in all the land was sought to forge the strong iron chains that would bind the monster. The Welsh hero, Higadarn, was sought for the two mighty oxen he kept to drag the beast along. But the people were stumped for how to safely lure the Avanc out of the lake. It was known that the monster, unsurprisingly, had a fondness for beautiful maidens, and with this in mind and a heart full of courage, a lovely young farmer's daughter stepped up to be bait. With the chains and oxen hidden nearby, the young woman strode up to the shore of the lake and softly called to the Avanc. The waters bubbled and frothed, and the huge head of the monster rose up. The brave girl stood her ground, and began singing a lovely Welsh lullaby. It's not to be loved by the Avanc began crawling out from the lake, mesmerized by the girl and her song. It swayed left and right as it exited its watery home, and soon was fast asleep at the girl's feet, in one version on her lap. Quickly, the townsfolk wrapped the chains around it and hitched the oxen, but no sooner did they clasp the last chain than the Avanc awoke and realized the trickery. It thrashed and roared and flailed about, but the chains held fast. In one version, the young maiden is killed in this wild tumult, but either way, the beast was secured and the mighty oxen pulled hard and dragged the thing all the way to Llanfunnenlas, near the summit of Snowdon. Once there, the men loosed the chains and the beast dove straight away into the lake, the banks of which were tall, sturdy rocks. And there it remains, trapped and no longer free to cause havoc in the Conwee Valley. There are several lakes and places that claim to be or have been its domain. Among them, Llynllion, Llynbarvog, and Llynyr Avanc, a lake in Batusa Coed. And before you ask, no, I didn't lose a bet where I had to try and pronounce a bunch of Welsh names. Twas my decision alone. <laughs> and that is the legendary Avanc. Now switch out your hip waders and iron chains for a sturdy pair of sea legs and rubber gloves. Or it's time to make sail for the Coranda Jellyfish. The oceans are vast and undoubtedly hold secrets we've yet to find, and possibly creatures of terrifying proportion and disposition as well. 
Sea monsters hold a special place in the hearts of many cryptid and monster lovers. But it's not often a place occupied by a jellyfish. Times they are a-changing, however, as the men aboard the SS Coranda could tell you. A steamer based in North Queensland, Australia. The Coranda was en route to Fiji in January of 1973, when it had an alarming encounter. Without warning, the ship suddenly lurched in the open water, as if it had struck something. Struck something it had, as a gigantic, semi-translucent blob rose above the bow of the ship, and thick, long tentacles came down hard over the forecastle head. The ship groaned under the weight, but stayed afloat, and some brave men tried to get a closer look at it on the deck. One man was not so fortunate, as a slimy, flailing tentacle lashed out and knocked him back, giving him a nasty bit of severely burned skin. He later died of what seemed to be a lethal jellyfish sting. The captain of the Coranda, Langley Smith, sent out an SOS, and not long after the deep-sea tugboat Hercules arrived. The crew of the Hercules turned on a high-pressure water hose and blasted the abysmal horror until it eventually slid off the Coranda and down into the murky depths. Captain Smith estimated the tentacles to be around 60 meters long, and the deck was covered in a slimy mass almost a meter deep. The slime was said to have been taken to Sydney, where it was tentatively identified as jelly from a lion's mane jellyfish. If so, it must have been the biggest one ever encountered, and in non-native territory. Lion's manes are generally found in the northern oceans and in shallow coastal waters, though this could have been one of the same species. The biggest one ever examined washed up in Massachusetts Bay in 1865. It had a bell measuring 7 feet 6 inches wide and tentacles stretching 120 feet long. On average, they can get pretty big, but none have been witnessed that big in the wild. There is a famous picture of a diver next to a lion's mane, which is easily twice the size of him, but unfortunately, it's fake. Other reports have been made of giant jellyfish, though not many, and not of that size. An Australian deep-sea diver claimed to have seen a shapeless brown mass engulf a shark in 1953. Other divers said they saw a deep purple jellyfish 50 to 100 foot in diameter about 14 miles southwest of Bermuda in November of 1969. A disturbing thought is how climate change and overfishing might contribute to greater swarms of jellies in the present day. The warming waters and dwindling fish numbers cause plankton, the food sources for many jellies, to boom, feeding bigger populations of jellies. It may not be a nightmare cryptid, but it's turning into a nightmare situation for fishermen who have to deal with jellies clogging up their waters. Looks like, once again, the true monster was us all along. That's the Coranda Jellyfish. And that's all our atrociously adorable contestants this week. 
Make sure to visit blurryphotos.org and scroll down the page to find the form and cast your vote for who should come out on top this week. And now, it's time to get out the hose and try to wash off this slimy blob of puns! Not a lot of people know about this C-list musician from Australia, but he wrote a pretty popular song about a maritime encounter in the 70s. The song was, You've Got a Fish in Me, by Karandi Newman. There was a sort of famous Welsh poet and folklorist who came to America and forged a number of monster tales in the South. However, his tales got told so often that the man and the monster began to blend together. And some say when the wind kicks up, you can still hear the furious scribbling of manuscripts by Yolozark Howlhren. <laughs> Just smashing languages together at this point. Uh, thanks for joining me in this second week of this brutal battle royale. And now, for the results of who will be moving on from week one, as voted by you, the listeners. Last week, the Loveland Frog, Ginny Greenteeth, and the Mingwa stepped into the ring. Gua. This week, only one remains standing. The winner of week one of the 2018 Miss Cryptid Contest is... The Loveland Frog. Congratulations! Our first contestant in the finals is set. Thanks to all who voted. And remember, you can vote again this week and get another entry into the sweepstakes to win a miscrypted prize pack, including your very own Golden Goatman Trophy replica. Just visit blurryphotos.org and scroll down to the form to cast your vote. And I believe that'll do it for this week of the Miscrypted Contest. I've been David. Ah, uh, thank you very much, Flora. Till next time. <laughs>